Welcome everybody, my name is Freddie Fuller and I'm the Product Specialist on the RBC European Equity Team. And this episode, uh, we're going to be taking a look at what seems to be rather a paradoxical relationship between technological advancement and energy consumption, and ask the question, is technology more of a help or is it a hindrance? And to discuss this, uh, today I'm joined by Elmer de Kuyper, a portfolio manager on our desk. Hello. Yes. You know, it's an interesting question, Freddie, because the answer is not as straightforward as you might think. Um, it's, it's certainly the case, looking at technological leaps that, you know, humanity has made in the past, yeah. that in the first instance, these have led to environmental degradation. Um, so, so, for example, the steam engine, um, when that came about, it enabled the replacement of human energy with machine energy, yeah. hugely significant. But this was mostly derived from coal, which is very pollutive and mined under difficult conditions. Another example was, you know, the materials revolution, where, you know, plastic was invented. Fantastic for so many applications, but plastic is derived from oil and does not biodegrade. So today, you know, we're, we're undergoing a different kind of revolution, but I would say a revolution um, nonetheless. Um, and it's it's digital in nature, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think to your points, it's it's important to explore whether there is uh, a similar aspect of potential environmental degradation uh, stemming from this um, this digital revolution, as you put it. Mm. Um, and and we've looked at some of the numbers, and, and it's estimated that by 2025 there will be over 28 billion mm, yeah. internet connected devices which is which is an extraordinary number and this aspect um alongside other forms of technology could eventually add up to an estimated 20 percent of global energy use by 2025 um so the, the sort of a first question Elmer, is is do people really understand the energy intensity uh, of their technology usage as it stands today mm, i mean I don't think so, not until very recently. Um, but the yeah. public is definitely becoming more and more aware. Uh, just look at the recent headlines around Bitcoin, for example. Yeah, it, exactly. And and actually headlines even out this morning. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's a good point. Bitcoin is a very good example of uh, the need, uh, not only as investors, but but, but from consumers as well, to, to look underneath the bonnet. Uh, for the nuance. And yes. it's become increasingly clear that there is an enormous amount of energy consumption concerned with the uh, mining in inverted commas of, of Bitcoin. Um, but this is true on both an absolute and relative basis. Uh, and it's it's important to look at these things in the context of their function. Um, it, it's, it's difficult, I suppose, to compare Bitcoin to other um, to, to other companies, to peers, given its re- relative novelty. But if you were to compare it to, say, Visa, Bitcoin can only process, uh, and this is by design, six transactions per second globally. Meanwhile, Visa, by contrast, um, handles four and a half thousand transac- uh, transactions per yeah. second yeah. on average. Uh, and commentators will often uh, rebut this by saying, yes, but Bitcoin doesn't have the office space and, and travel associated with uh, a global company, but even when this is factored in, Bitcoin processes two and a half thousand fewer transactions than Visa for six hundred times mm-hmm. greater energy use. So the arguments really don't stack up, as far as we can see. Yes, I mean it's it's astonishing, actually. Um, you know, a lot of people think that just because something is digital, um, the carbon footprint is lower, or you know, miraculously not there. But that's yeah. not necessarily true. 
And a lot of these comparisons are done without context or, you know, or proportion. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it would almost be like saying we should fly on a private jet because commercial air travel as an industry emits a thousand times more carbon than private jets do. And, you know, it, it just misses the point because, of course, that's true. But commercial planes handle, you know, many thousands of times more people. Um, and therefore, they're much more energy efficient per passenger traveled. Um, you know, and when we think about that energy intensity of Bitcoin, you know, we can extend that to computing as a whole. It eats mm. up vast amounts of energy. You know, the digital economy uses almost 10% of the world's electricity. 10%. Yeah. I mean, that's more than the airline sector. And actually, if the tech sector was a country, it would be the fifth largest emitter, um, which I think is mind boggling, but it really kind of brings home just the scale of it. And that's not even including water, mineral usage or, or waste. Yeah. So, you know, taking all of this that you, that you just talked about, on the face of it, the uh, seemingly exponential rise in, in modern tech and digitization um, seems to be incompatible with the efforts uh, of the world uh, uh, to de decarbonize their economies. Mm. Um, but again, we've been talking about nuance um, here. It's important to ask ourselves, is that just uh, reductive thinking? Um, and there's a tendency to simply extrapolate uh, current tech growth rates and the associated current energy usage just to create, you know, sort of headline grabbing numbers. Yes, sure. I mean, you know, in reality, these predictions are, are often well off the mark. Um, you know, one just needs to look at the first electronic computer built in 1946, um, the great invention of, of that time, in my opinion. Um, the energy needed for a computer operation has halved about every 19 months since. Every 19 months. Yeah, and, and, and that's something I was going to touch on there. Is it's, it's the other side of the coin, uh, and that's where it, this is where it comes into play. Um, uh, th there's, there's been a, a fair amount of research which seems to suggest that um, while technological innovation may lead to increased energy consumption in the short to medium term, it can ultimately result in a reduction in energy consumption in the long term. Mm, and to yes. your earlier point, much of this is built upon the innovations of the past. Yes, absolutely. I mean, in my opinion, the sector where this is most obvious is, is transportation. So yeah. trains and cars as we use them today would not exist had the original steam engine not been invented. Um, you know, there's now as we all know, huge innovation happening in making them electric or, or even yeah. hydro-powered. And that's another example of how our technology is constantly improving upon the original dirty machines. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is how innovation works. It's, it's always progressive and, and stepwise. And, you know, Isaac Newton put it best, I think. He said he stood on the shoulders of giants. And so, too, do our current technologies derive from the older iterations. Yeah, and, and this is the crux of the matter, isn't it? Um, we're, we're going to ask ourselves, can you translate the same effects uh, from the transport sector, your, your example, to the rise of tech? Um, and the answer seems to be that, that it's at least possible. Uh, for example, France has actually found that compared to 2008, the energy consumption of digital technology has actually stabilised. 
Um, therefore, the massive transformations in data usage through video use, uh, digitization of the broader economy, smart sensors, et cetera, et cetera, do not seem to be having as much of an impact on energy consumption as original forecasters suggest. Yes. Um, and this is something, uh, Elmi, you, you think is of equal importance in what I suppose is another hot topic in this realm, which is that of 5G and its rollout. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's certainly true that energy consumption is expected to rise um, due to the widespread adoption of 5G. Um, but, you know, yeah. that's that's modelled on consumption patterns of the past, um, where, to be fair, every time a new standard was launched, and I'm talking here about 2G, 3G, 4G, um, mm. the energy consumption, um, you know, increased quite significantly along with it. Uh, but I, I think it's important to, to look at unit costs uh, as well, because actually, when you do, the picture is quite benign. Um, mm. You know, 5G consumes 90% less power per bit of data than 4G, which is a huge yeah. um, and, and really quite important improvement. Um, the, you know, the makers of 5G equipment, um, so, so think of Huawei, Ericsson, Nokia, they've all independently found that 5G is the most energy aware standard. And, and you should right. think of things like efficient data transmission, smarter sleep modes, and they estimate that that will make it possible to quadruple data traffic, quadruple, without mm. increasing energy consumption. That's very significant. So, yeah. of course, we don't know where that data traffic consumption is going to go. It's quite possible that demand for data will increase far beyond that quadrupling. But it does illustrate what we're talking about here, I think, which is that technological innovation um, you know, it allows for far lower unit costs um, of what I, you know, arguably is the most valuable commodity of our time. And that's that's data. Yeah, that's really interesting. So uh, to conclude, if it isn't in doubt, and I think we can we can potentially take the position that, that demand for digitization uh, and therefore correspondingly data usage is triggering a significant rise in energy demand. Um, but as we have noted, one cannot simply extrapolate out into the future using existing consumption or efficiency. Uh, and in this instance, there is a, a case to be made that it is technology itself, uh, albeit uh, you know, most likely combined with regulation from policymakers, um, mm, that could yes. at the very least keep energy needs in check, um, if not uh, even help reduce them in the future that now we're not necessarily saying that you know tech is the savior um but we mm. do need to take this into account yes you're, you're so right i mean it's it's really actually very exciting to to witness all that innovation happening in the realm of sustainability today uh that, mm. there's a great book called the uninhabitable earth written by david wallace wells and in it he mm. estimates that the transition to clean energy would save over 20 trillion dollars in costs so this isn't often talked about, but there is definitely also a capitalist imperative to this energy transition. And that in turn further incentivizes technological innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point on uh, the, the transition to clean energy, this will continue to play an increasingly important uh, part in the growth of tech uh, as it powers more and more of the digital economy. Um, you know, we have increasing options mm, yes. um, for energy savings, such as uh, the demand side, 
then we have uh, efficiency improvements on energy production. Mm. And then finally, the um, hopefully, the eventual replacement of fossil fuels um, through renewable energy sources. Yeah, yeah, you know, precisely. There are multiple levers here that can be pulled to make the digital sector a greener one. Well, look, that's all we have time for today. Um, thank you very much uh, indeed to Elmer for joining and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Thank you.